0: a place
1: Good morning. Oh, we got a wide awake one in the front row. That's awesome. (laughs) It's the sugar. The donuts are out there. Some of you aren't awake yet. There's donuts and coffee, so you can. Welcome. We are glad that you're here. We're going to encourage everyone to come on in from outside of the sanctuary. Come on in. We're going to get started in our worship time. I hope everyone is staying warm. It's cold. Anybody else think it's cold, or is it just me? It's cold out, so we turned the heat up so you'll be comfortable, but not too comfortable where you'll go to sleep or anything like that, but we're excited. Is everyone ready for Christmas this last week before? Isn't it exciting? I, I always love it. I love, I love people watching at this point in the day, and it's e- either sheer panic on their faces or they're just enjoying the season, so it's fun. So why, why doesn't everybody come on in, grab a seat, and we are going to get started. If you would stand with me, we are going to start our service with our first song of worship of Go Tell It on the Mountain, and uh, I want you to sing it with your whole heart because we're telling people about Jesus, and that is super important. That's what it's all about, so I'm excited, so join us. give us an update from the board right now so you guys can have a seat and then uh, they will come up and talk to us. Let me get their mic for Jane. Come on. Either way. Good.
2: This really isn't an update. This is just an opportunity to thank our staff. So if wanted on behalf of the board we just want to thank these individuals Um, they are the core and keep everything running smoothly they love on our children our teenagers they make sure the offices run smoothly and in this transition you know it's it's unsettling and we as um, members we come and go but these guys are in the trenches and so I know the transition is even harder for you, but we appreciate you, we love you, and we're looking very forward to a new year. So Lori, Tracy, Robin, and Scott, thank you. <laughs> yeah. you wanna- we also just ask that you be praying for Ben and Kelly. They they left this week to go back east for.
1: Um, the holidays and visit with family and nail down some things i guess but anyway they're driving so they've made it all the way to ohio now i think and some of you are probably keeping up with them but please keep them in your prayers for safe travels and it's kind of yucky weather back there and they got to come all the way back across the united states so uh, keep them in your prayers please Thank you so much. All right. Well, I'm going to have you guys stand up because I want you to turn around. Well, everybody stand up. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) You thought I was teasing. I would love it if you guys would turn around and just tell people Merry Christmas. Give them a Christmas hug if you're okay with that. And just welcome them here if they haven't been here before. Kids, if you want to meet Miss Tracy over at this door, you are dismissed for Sunday school with Miss Tracy.
3: Good morning. I am going to light this morning's Advent candle. Today we have the peace candle that will be. Lighting. So I want to read from out of Philippians 4, 4 through 9. That says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. we could have the ushers come forward, we'll go ahead and take this morning's tithes and offerings. You guys bow with me. Lord, we are thankful that you are the God of peace and that this is a season of peace that we sometimes get overwhelmed and we get bogged down with the busyness and the craziness of of the Christmas season. But Lord, let us be reminded that you're the God of peace that our minds are going to turn should turn to peace in this season and uh, I I do pray that you bless these tithes and offerings as we give from out of our um, out of our own money and and as we give this season remember to give in many ways give of our time give of our energy give of our love to others so bless this offering.
1: Let's continue our time of worship together. If you guys would stand, we're going to continue to worship, but let's just welcome the Holy Spirit in. Would you join me in inviting him here? Lord Jesus, I thank you for this time that we have each week that you've given us freely to come in and to worship you in a public place. It's something we do take for granted, Lord, but... It could be snatched away or we could be in another country where we wouldn't be able to do that. So I thank you for the freedom that we have to worship you. Lord, as we go into this week that leads up to the celebration of your birth, I pray, Jesus, that our hearts will open up in a new way, that you'll be able to penetrate in there. And remind us of that time and how precious it was and how you came in such a quiet way just to be here for us and to have relationship with us when you were here and then to die for us and save us. Which is so easy to let those words roll off our tongues, but Jesus, the sacrifice that you made for us to be able to be with you for eternity for you to wash away our sins because you took it all on you. I don't want to take that for granted, Lord. And I want to take everybody with me that I can, Jesus. So give us a heart of compassion and a heart of mercy and a heart that wants to tell people about who you are to them and the truth of who you are, our Messiah, our Savior. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place and we ask you to come and move up and down the aisles in our hearts of what may be a hard week, a hard season. Lord, we just ask you to come. We love you and we thank you for being here and thank you for being with your people. You said if two or more gather, Jesus, you'll be there. So there's a lot more than that here so we know that your presence is here with us, and we thank you for that. And we love you. In Jesus' name. doing we did last year, and it's got such a beautiful meaning to it, and it's called O Come All You Unfaithful, and everybody on worship team thought it was a typo, (laughs) but it wasn't, and the message in there is just beautiful, so hopefully you'll remember it to sing along, but if not, just let God minister to you and soak up what he's done for us. It's pretty miraculous. Oh come, all you unfaithful, come, weak
0: and unstable. Come, know you are not alone. Oh come, bearing and waiting ones, weary of praying. Come, see what you're. your God. To be thankful for its Christmas.
1: Thank you, Jesus, for being here. Thank you for coming to take care of all of your people. Thank you for loving us the way that you do that we just can't comprehend. I don't understand it, Lord. I don't understand how you can love me. I don't deserve it. But you do anyway. And you do it with a whole heart. You don't even hold back. Lord, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for what you are going to do in the future, what you're doing today, what you've done that I haven't even noticed, we haven't seen, things that, that you do anyway, like a tree that grows in the middle of a forest and is never noticed, or a flower that blooms, but you know that flower. You know when it blooms. So, Lord, we thank you what you're going to do the rest of this service. I pray that you'll be with Pastor Tim as he brings us your word this morning. Anoint him, Lord. I pray that he will speak everything that you put on his heart. and I thank you for his willingness to do that, Lord, and I pray that our hearts will receive it. I pray that it won't just be another Sunday, Jesus, but that we will leave here changed and closer to you Pray that our hearts will just crave your word and crave a relationship with you, Lord, because we need you and we want you. Even if we're a broken mess, we know that you want us. And Lord, we're just grateful for all you do for us. Thank you for being here, Lord, and I just thank you for the way that you love us, Jesus. And all God's people said, amen.
4: You may be seated. Good morning. morning. How you doing? (laughs) You know, there's kind of a saying about a bad pimp, and I may be that guy because I just keep coming back. And uh, today, I'm the interim pastor for the interim pastor. As he is on vacation, I'm pleased to have. You want me to use this one? Does this one keep cutting out? I um. Before I speak today, I think most of you probably noticed that Bill Springston came down and spoke to me, just telling me that he had to take Nancy home because she suddenly wasn't feeling well. So I want to just stop and pray for her. Father in heaven, thank you for bringing us to this place today. Thank you for the joy we receive when we worship you. Thank you for the fact that you restore our souls. You restore us. And today, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you'd be with Nancy and Bill. And may they sense your presence as they're working together to figure out what she's struggling with just now father i ask these things in jesus name touch her amen and amen i uh um, had coffee with a friend who's has been a worship leader for years and he made this statement he said sometimes christmas can get old for a worship leader because you have to sing those same songs every year and i said well let me tell you something else Try preaching four or five sermons from the same story every year and see how that feels. Because there is something about this story that is always new, though it is very old. And we've heard it many times before. But there is something about it that we want to hear again. We look forward to hearing it again. And we're eager to see. And as preachers, I think we... Dig around and try to see if there's some new thought, and there isn't, because everyone has heard this wonderful, wonderful story. I want to read for you today from Luke chapter 1. Get out my glasses. I've gotten old since you first knew me. And now I have to wear these things to read. Luke chapter 1. Beginning with verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. Town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. as you have said. And then the angel left her. All of us have Christmas traditions. And even as a church, we have specific things that we do around Christmas time that become tradition for us. There are things that you almost expect to happen when you come here on one of the Sundays in December. Uh, I would guess that most of you, many of you at least, have already done what I have done, and that is to have Got out your nativity set and put it out someplace of significance where you can look at the different figures that are there. And you've wondered exactly how you should place them, where they should be. But there is a tradition to that as well. And so we always seem to place them in the same kind of arrangement. There's a tradition here, at least for the last three years, I think, of putting the backdrop of Bethlehem up on the sides and the cradle here in the middle. And whoever designed this cradle. I just want to give you an attaboy, because to design it where you could put the Advent candles right on it, that was genius. You did good. I don't know who you are, but you did good, and I appreciate it. This morning, um, I'd like for us to take a few minutes to think about Christmas, but to think about it through the eyes and through the emotions of those who were there. To consider the attitudes and the actions that are immortalized by their presence in this story. And I won't be very far into this before you're going to realize where it's going. And then you'll start counting and saying, okay, he's got four left. That's what you're going to do. I know you. Because I've sat there where you're sitting. And I do the same thing. And I'm thinking, okay, well, let's see. We might be out of here by 12:30, maybe no. I, I want us to think about whether following the footsteps of those people that we are so familiar with can bring the joy and peace of Christmas to us. And naturally, I destroyed my little nativity scene at home to bring you these characters. And this one is Mary, and I realize you can't see her from there, but you know what she looks like. You've seen her many times before. This is Mary. And from all we can tell from the biblical account that we read, or that we read a few moments ago, Mary was just an ordinary young lady. Some say that she was probably about 16, and others say, no, she was younger than that. I've read commentaries that have said she was as young as 13. I don't know about She seems very mature if she was 13 years old or if she was 16 years old. But here she was. Her life was laid out before her because she had plans. She was ready to get married. She was ready to marry that guy that had been so important in her life. It it was uh, like most girls. She was planning. She had excitement racing through her. She was thinking not only about the ceremony, but her dreams of what married life would be like after she and Joseph were one. But she was willing to sacrifice her reputation and her plan because the scripture tells us that Mary was visited by an angel, as we read a moment ago, one night. And the angel said that she had been chosen for a special purpose. And Mary responded by saying, how can this be? Since I'm a virgin. And the angel said that she would be overpowered by the power of the Holy of the Most High. She was to bear a child, not her own. But the son of God. And I think, was she the first surrogate mother, you know? And I want, to consider, I want you to consider with me for just a moment the implications of what she was being asked to do. She had to consider not only her plans, which were incredibly upset by this task that she had been assigned, but she had to consider whether Joseph would even want her when he learned that she was pregnant. And she also had to consider what all of her family and all of the neighbors would think about her when it began to show. But in spite of all of that, Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. What about us? You and I. Are we willing to sacrifice the plans we have so carefully made? to make ourselves available for whatever God might plan for us. Are we willing to put aside pursuit of our own dreams to follow his dream? Will we say with Mary, I am the Lord's servant? Well, we move on in that nativity and we have to come to Joseph. And Joseph had plans too. There were things he was excited about doing and one of them was marrying Mary. I think he was eagerly awaiting the day that he would be married to that sweetheart. And if she was just 16, it was like a high school sweetheart. And then he gets the news that this high school sweetheart is pregnant. And that must have been devastating to him. And I imagine that Mary tried to tell him about the fact that she had been visited by an angel But it must have been difficult for him to put all of that together. You see, to become part of the Christmas story, Joseph had to be willing to believe the impossible. Now Joseph seems to me to be the unsung hero of this story. That's just me. He's sort of the Rodney Dangerfield of the New Testament. He gets no respect. As you think about him, you realize that no one wants to be put in the position in life that he was in. Because his life suddenly spun out of control. And though he would be the earthly presence of a father to this child, there might have still been something in the back of his mind where he was thinking, I'm not really the biological father of this child though he would have other children he and mary would it was this firstborn this one that that was his and and yet it wasn't and then the governor decides that we need to take a census and everyone has to return to their hometown And so Joseph is given the responsibility of getting Mary from Nazareth, which was up near the Sea of Galilee, all the way down to Jerusalem, through the city of Jerusalem, five miles south of Jerusalem, to the little town of Bethlehem. Because that's where he was from. And that would be an arduous journey for anyone, but especially for a woman who was about to deliver deliver a child. And at least in our imagination, she's riding on a donkey. I mean, let's just make this as complicated as we can. But he gets her there. And he thinks things are going to kind of smooth out now. But after that journey, he knocks on the door of the hotel, and they say, we have no rooms available. Everyone is in town to register for this census, so we got nothing. Identify with this story. And I identify with Joseph. I was a young pastor in Oklahoma. And we had our first daughter. She was two or younger. And we came to Colorado on vacation. I didn't have enough sense to think maybe you'd need a reservation out here in the summertime. We just drove out here and rolled into Woodland Park late in the afternoon. And I started looking for a place where we would stay. There was one where we had stayed before, and these new motels weren't here then. They had no room. I started looking at rattier little uh, motels around the area, someplace where we could just get out of the car, and there was no room. So I drove back down the pass to Colorado Springs, and I looked around there, and every hotel I went to said, oh, su- sir, we're sorry. Number one, it's, it's summertime, we're filled with vacationers, but secondly, the Pike Speaker Bust rodeo is in town. So there's nothing. I even went to, I think it's called the Elegante now. It used to be like the Four Seasons or something. I went there. I, I, I was a poor preacher, but I was willing to spend some money if I had to, to get a place for my wife and my child, and there was nothing. I drove back up the pass. Got back to Woodland Park, and I stopped and checked again, thinking maybe someone didn't show up. They had. And I drove west out of town. Somewhere between Woodland Park and Divide, on the left side of the road, there used to be a large pull-off where people would stop and get out of their car and take pictures of Pikes Peak. And in my memory, at least, there was a picnic table there and a trash barrel. And I pulled in there in my 1976 Monte Carlo. And I parked. And I had Jane and the baby get in the back seat. And I stayed in the front and reclined that bucket seat. And we spent the night there. And there is something incredibly um, disturbing When you come to a place in your life where you think, I can't take care of my family. And even though it was for just a few hours that night, because early when the sun came up, we were up. We were going to find a place that still had a room for the next night. That's a difficult place to be in. And then Joseph gets word that Herod is really unhappy about what the kings had told him, the three wise men, about a new king. And so Joseph is told that he and Mary and the child need to head to Egypt. He didn't want to go to Egypt. He had no plans to go to Egypt. We're going to have this baby. We're going to go back home. We're going to get in our place. I'm going to open up my carpenter shop and we're going to have a life. But he had to head to Egypt. And I wonder, and I know I'm putting some of these things out of chronological order. Just work with me, okay? I'm wondering if when the wise men came and gave them gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, if perhaps that gold became the money he relied upon to take his family from Bethlehem or wherever they were in this transition and get them down to Egypt. And that God things under control but for Joseph it was a dumpster fire and he's thinking as he's traveling what's what's happening at the house i wonder what's going on in nazareth is someone going into my carpenter shop and getting my tools who's picking up the mail i wonder if the utilities have been shut off for lack of payment well we've been on this crazy trip that And Mary wasn't having a day at the beach either. But after the baby was born, there was a sense in which that portion of this story had taken place, and though she was still dealing with these issues that Joseph was trying to put together, that portion of it was gone, and she could hold that baby in her arms. Now Joseph was supposed to be the breadwinner, the guy in charge, but instead his life seem to be one mess after another, and how do I get from the place where my fiance was pregnant, she's ready to have a baby, I bring her to Bethlehem because we have to come there, she has the baby, and then I have to take her to Egypt, and I was pastoring in southeast Kansas in the small town of Independence, and it's a great town, and it was surrounded by farms, farmers. And uh, it was the Saturday before the children's Christmas program. And I decided that I would drive out to the church and just check in with those kids and let them know the pastor cared. And so I drove out, and they were all (laughs) on the platform. And there was the stable built. And when you live in a farming community, they know how to build a stable. And there was a stable. And here were these young children all there in their bathrobes with the towel around their head trying to look like Joseph and the, and the shepherds and whoever else. Some were kind of looking a little glittery, I think, the wise men. But when I walked in, here was Mary and Joseph in the little cradle and Mary was kneeling there beside it as she's supposed to. And Joseph was standing there beside her. He was about four years old. And he was crying his eyes out. And I walked up to him and I said, Ryan, what's the problem? What's what's wrong? And he said through his tears, I don't want to be Joseph. I said, Ryan, what what would you want to be? He said, I want to be the donkey. (laughs) The donkey had a better costume than Ryan had. See, Joseph discovered that Mary was pregnant before he's let in on the plan. And then finally, an angel did visit Joseph before they made this arduous trip, visit him in the night, in a dream, and tells him that it's all true. But even then, it was a fantastic story. Nothing in life could prepare you to believe that your fiancé would become pregnant with the Son of God. And the Bible says that when he awoke from his dream, Joseph did exactly what the angel had said and took Mary to be his wife. Now, you know the Christmas story. And even as I share it with you today, some of you are thinking it's still a little hard to believe. Maybe harder than that one about the guy in the red suit and the beard. And we're still asked to have faith in the virgin-born Son of God. That He was not only born in a stable, but that He died on a cross to pay the price for our sins and then rose again to show His victory over sin and death. And the only evidence that we have is the eyewitness accounts that are recorded for us in the word of God and the internal witness of the Holy Spirit that burns within us to convince us of the truth of this impossible story that Joseph had to embrace. And then there were those shepherds. This guy's, I I don't know who well made in China, but, uh, His face looks more like a Barbie doll than a shepherd, I'm just saying. And he's holding a little lamb. And these guys were minding their own business when angels appeared. Again, an angel. Pretty unlikely story, wouldn't you say? The shepherds made it into the Christmas story because they were willing to seek the truth. They get the announcement on the hills during the night. That the Messiah, the promised one, had been born, not in a palace or a mansion, but in a stable not too far away. Now you have to forgive me because my imagination can continue to run wild with me. Because I see when the Bible says that there were a host, that there were multitudes of the heavenly hosts. I I I don't picture ten angels, I picture hundreds of angels. And forgive me, but I hear them singing the Hallelujah chorus as sung by the Mormon Tabernacle choir. Have you ever heard that? Woo. it'll it 'll take you right off your seat, and I picture them there, and the sky is lit up, and these shepherds are standing there trying to figure out what in the world is all of this. We would call it a UFO no kidding, we would, but they were thinking what is going on here. and Then they're told about this baby being born, not far from them. Now most of us would have discounted what they experienced as some kind of bad food. We ate something bad last night or we're having a mass hallucination of some kind. But the shepherds made it into the story because they got up and went to see whether this thing was true or not. The Bible says that they said to one another, let's go see. And you and I have to make a similar decision. The story calls for faith because it's a lot to believe. But having heard the story, we have a choice. We can look into it or we can discard it. Will we take up the challenge of the angels to come and see? Or will we discount this whole thing as a myth and a fairy tale? See, I, I, I have a theory, and that doesn't mean it's right. But I have a theory that everyone in here this morning is a theologian. You're all theologians. Because every one of you have made decisions in your life about God and Jesus and heaven and the virgin birth. And you have had moments when you've thought about God and your relationship with God. You've been studying theology in those moments. Come and see. Come and see. God isn't afraid to put it on the line and say, you can believe it or you don't have to, but come and see. Let me show you. This story also includes uh, the wise men, and as I only brought one shepherd, I only brought one wise man. I figured that was about all we could handle this morning. One wise man. And I brought this one because he's got that chest that he's carrying, and I think that's probably the one that had the the gold in it. And these wise men were seekers for truth. And they sought it in a lot of different ways. And you have to understand, they were Gentiles. They weren't Jewish. They were Gentiles. And they sought in so many ways to try to find truth in their life. And they looked to the stars to try to find it. And God decided to put a record in the stars of what he was planning so that these Gentiles from a foreign land could find their way to the truth. But that truth represented a radical departure from the way they had always thought of the world. And it might just be that in order to discover this Christ of the cradle, that your belief system will have to change too. And maybe the theology that you've been wrestling with in your mind is not bringing you that which you thought it would. What is truth? These kings were willing to change their belief system. And some of us in the church these days probably also could use a little tweaking to our belief system. They came to worship a king, a Messiah, who was promised to the Jews far outside the bounds of their thought process. But their quest for truth brought them to a baby king in a manger, and there they knelt to worship. And so it brings the question again, what about us? Does our world view leave room For a truth that exceeds the ability to understand. A truth that is beyond our ability to really grasp. Are we willing to say, I believe, even though I don't always understand. Those who don't understand. Maybe I would ask skeptics of the Christ story, what percent of the knowledge available in the world do they have? Do they think they have even 1% of all there is to be known in the universe? And if that's the case, is it possible that in the 99% of the knowledge that you don't have, the 99% of the knowledge you don't have, That there might be room for something outside your realm of understanding and experience. Are you willing to make room for Jesus in your world view? And of course there's one last piece in our little nativity. And it is the Christ child in the manger. And I know you can't see that from way back there, Richard. But take my word for it. There's a Jesus in this little cradle. You see, even though he's the center of attention, it's easy to forget to consider how he got involved in this thing. Because the Bible makes it clear that he had existed from the beginning of time. That he is the eternal Son of God. That he entered into the human story because Jesus was willing to humble himself. Martin Luther in the 1500s put it this way, when he said, the mystery of the humanity of Christ, that he sunk himself into our flesh, is beyond all human understanding. And so we read in Philippians chapter 2, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And I like the that passage of Scripture in Philippians 2. Because it takes us all the way from the manger to the cross. That Christ humbled Himself to become a servant. That God became a man and not only was born humbly, but died humbly. He died in great shame. It was a criminal's death. He died that way to pay the price for your sins and mine. So He brings the Christmas story to us. And we all have the opportunity to experience the light that his coming brings by putting our trust in him and believing that his sacrifice washes the sin of the stain of sins and that his resurrection purchases for us eternal life. I want to invite the praise team to come back. Prepare to lead us in the last Christmas song of the morning. But as they come, I want to challenge you to do something Christmas Eve or Christmas morning. Some of you already do it, but some of you may not. And some of you may feel uncomfortable because there is something intimate about what I'm going to ask you to do. When you gather around with your family, whether it's Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, have someone in your family take that old Bible and open it to Luke chapter 2 and have someone read that story again so that it's not a pastor reading it to you, it's a dad or a mom or a grandpa or grandma, or maybe it's an oldest child. But take those moments just to read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20 at Christmas time. So that you have your own moment of acknowledging Jesus. That's not something a pastor said. Or not something a Sunday school teacher said. But it's something that someone from your own family read to the group that is your family. For that is the story. And that is the faith. And that is what we lean upon and rest upon. And if we don't have that. We don't have much. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for loving us and caring for us enough that you would indeed come in a humble manner. Offer yourself to us. I pray, Father, that we will do likewise and offer ourselves to you in this Christmas season in Jesus' name.
5: all be seated for just a minute. We want to uh, send Kat off with prayers. Kat has dual citizenship. She was born in Israel, and she's headed back there. And they have a rule, a, a policy that everyone in Israel serves two years in the military. So when she goes back, she's going to be in the military. she's had this longing to go back there. I remember her mama telling me about that a year and a half or two years ago that this was, was coming. Well, we want to just pray for you. We want to ask God to bless you, to give you favor. Father, I ask in Jesus' name for Kat. I just bring her to you. I just want to see her for a moment through your eyes, Lord. A precious, precious gift. And we ask your blessings on her, Lord. We ask that you go before her, that you surround her, that you make a way for her, that you have divine appointments along the way for her, Lord. That there would be people in her path to help her uh, know whether to turn right or left. that they would be people that are safe, that they would protect her, that they would walk with her. We commit her to you. We ask your blessings on her. We pray for her family as she goes. And think about that, what that's like, asking you to bless them as well. Grant her favor, Lord. Let her prosper in this next uh, chapter of her life. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen amen I remember what that was like when I was getting ready to leave and my folks thought I was lying to them about my orders going to Korea instead of Vietnam and they were swearing. I'll go in your place, Larry. My dad, he was not fit to be a soldier. (laughs) I've been on the other other end of that, being the one away from home. Wow. It is a great adventure, and I believe that you'll do well. Uh, I have a couple of announcements before I do the benediction. there was a planned caroling time going to happen on on uh, Wednesday night, and unless you're all homesick Eskimos, you're going to be glad to hear that we've uh, canceled that. We've got some really bad weather coming in here, some real cold weather, so uh, s- sing at home in, in your <laughs> gatherings and. and and, and you can line up and give Lori a hug because she made a wise decision here. <laughs> um, this, this next week, uh, there will be no men's Bible study on uh, Friday. Um, my friends Scott and, and Kathy are out of here, and nobody wants to follow Scott teaching from the book of Daniel. And you, he does an excellent job and said no. We're just not having it. So, anyway, uh, th- there'll be no no men's Bible study on Saturday. Um, on Friday, or no, on 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 that was Friday. Saturday is Christmas Eve. We're going to meet here at five o'clock. We're going to have a service at five o'clock. It's going to be abbreviated. I know you want to be with your families, and. Uh, we're going to have a worship time and uh, a a little teaching time but we're going to have you in here and out of here so you can be with your families Sunday morning uh, Christmas we're going to meet here again and again it will be a abbreviated worship service but you're invited I I pray that God just bless you in your times together with your family if you'll stand I want to do the benediction here. I pray that you go in peace, that God let his light shine through you, that you have a special time with your family, that you remember that you are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Let your light shine. Keep Jesus at the very center of all your gatherings. And he will bless you and prosper you. Go in peace, in Jesus' name, amen.
6: a mission, so listen. God is calling you to serve, for this night you will carry the same